Today we turn to the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians to hear a message of forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Hear God's word. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Shall we pray? O oh God, May what we have read with our eyes, understood with our minds, and received into our memories be shown forth in our lives. May what we have learned by your grace be used to your glory. Amen. The British scientist Julian Huxley was in Dublin for a meeting of the Irish Association. He arrived late at the train station and threw himself in a taxi cab and called out to the driver, drive fast. Away the cab went over the cobblestone streets of Dublin until at last Huxley tapped the driver on the shoulder and he said, do you know where you are going? The driver said, no, I don't. I'm just going fast. Drive fast, walk fast, talk fast, hurry up, keep moving, get going. That's the world in which we live. A church in Eugene, Oregon interviewed a pastoral candidate. She said she wanted to move to Eugene because she thought it would be a, a laid back, relaxed place to live and work. Well, the outgoing pastor told her that he drove to the church office every day on the Delta Highway, and he felt like he was being run off the road by people who just can't abide someone who drives the speed limit. Sometimes the other drivers would honk or flash their lights telling the pastor to move over, get out of the way. What I would like us to consider today is not 
how fast we are going on life's journey, but where we are going, our goal and our destination. Philippians chapter 3 is a place where Paul confesses the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. The goal of Paul's life was to know Christ and his power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And finally, to receive the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The goal of the Christian life, therefore, if we follow Paul's example, is to know and serve and love Christ now and one day have fellowship with him eternally. Look at our scripture. The word loss appears several times. Paul says that whatever gain he had, he had come to regard as loss for the sake of Christ. What might these losses have been? Well, he tells us what they are. Paul has more reason to be confident in who he was and what he did than anyone else. He was circumcised, a member of the people of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, rigorous in keeping the law, blameless under the law, and a zealous persecutor of the church. He would have been highly regarded by his people and his religion. But all this good breeding and education and honors were only so much loss compared to knowing Christ and loss he experienced. He had no status. He had no income. He became an itinerant preacher, a tent maker. He lost material goods and the security of who he was to become a follower of Jesus. The early Christians were not rich or powerful. <clears throat> they were humble, poor, sick, outcast sinners. They could not pay Paul or offer him a comfortable living. In fact, uh, Paul said many of the things that he considered good in life that he valued had become for him now garbage, or to use the exact Greek translation, they become dung for the sake of knowing and gaining Christ. Following Jesus brought Paul into contact with suffering and finally death. When we choose to follow Jesus and make him uh, our life's goal, our life's destination, we too will suffer rejection and eventually death. Following Jesus is a worthwhile goal for us, but we must know that in choosing faith as our life's purpose, we too will experience the things that Jesus and Paul and all the other saints through the ages have suffered. A classic of Christian literature is The Imitation of Christ by Thomas from Kempen. I mean, it's just a little, little volume, little book. It was written in the Middle Ages, and this brother of the common life uh, described uh, his disciplines and his way of living for Christ. He talks about his devotion to the Father in prayer. He talks about suffering for the name of Christ. And we are called to count as refuse or rubbish what the world outside counts as good for the sake of the better part, which is knowing Christ and receiving the prize of eternal life. 
When we follow Jesus, we're not only asked to give up harmful, destructive things, but we may actually be asked to give up things that we really value, things that are important to us and precious. Paul never despised the fact that he was educated by one of the greatest teachers of his time, Gamaliel, and he was born Jewish and knew the scriptures forward and backward from the time he was a boy. He had qualities that made him honored and respected by his people, that he was also a Roman citizen. He was fluent in the Greek language. We need not be ashamed of our talents and abilities. These are gifts given to us by God. We can thank God if we've grown up in a good, loving family, if we have friends and the respect of colleagues, if we have received a good education or training that is useful. The Bible includes all these things kind of in our prayer asking for daily bread uh, that we should pray for and give thanks for. But nothing, not even the best things, should come between us and following the Lord. When they do, they should become, as they did in Paul's case, nothing but loss. There's also something <clears throat> in the scripture which speaks to each one of us about the past and about the future. Uh, the image is one of race. We are running a race in life with the goal being the prize of eternal life in Christ. In a sense, we're already beneficiaries of that goal. Christ is now with us in our race. As Paul said, now, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which for Christ Jesus took hold of me. Most of us in this room have been baptized. We were made people of God. We have received the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. But none of us have reached our goal, our destination, the resurrection from the dead. As long as we're living, we're still in the race. We press on. We don't look back. I, I can remember my father telling me about a, a a foot race that he had with another boy in school when he was young and that he was winning the race until he turned around to look back and to see if that boy was closing in on him. And indeed he was, and indeed he lost the foot race. When he did that, he broke his stride. He ended up losing. It's pointless to dwell on past mistakes and shortcomings what we've done in the past cannot be undone. What we've said in the past cannot be unsaid. We cannot live in the past, and it's not helpful to be so focused on what has been that we forget about what's coming, what's ahead of us. Writer Anne Lamott once said, forgiveness is giving up hope of changing the past. We cannot change the past. We can forgive it by forgiving others and ourselves and then move on. This is what Paul describes as pressing on, a phrase he uses twice in the scripture. James Berry, the English author, spoke about how his mother lost a son whom she loved very much. That is why my mother had soft eyes, Berry said. And it's why other mothers came to her when they too lost a child. 
We can grow through trials and temptations. We can grow in our dependence upon God and become more like the Savior. Paul certainly suffered for his life with Christ. He talked of a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that was. It could have been malarial fevers. It could be eyesight trouble. But he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and it wasn't taken away. Paul had concern that he would somehow fall away from the faith. Notice now how he puts it in verses 10 and 11. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. There's no eternal security in these lines that Paul writes. Instead, he's constantly training, he's constantly pressing on to the goal, the goal that is heavenward. We can never become complacent in life's race. The danger of life is that to the very last moment, disaster can come. Even John Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress depicted a road that led from heaven's gate to the gates of hell. We could get detoured. We could take the wrong turn. Until the end of the race, there's always that possibility. What sets us apart from busy people all around us who are speeding and rushing by is that we have a goal in this race. It is to receive a prize that will make whatever we suffer and lose so much garbage. We press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. And in this letter, we have a picture of an apostle who has become single-minded in his pursuit of what God has offered him. He's no longer hung up on his sometimes uh, spiritually sordid past. He's no longer hung up on his credentials, his achievements, his education. Paul isn't stuck on religious pre uh, pedigree. He's straining toward what lies ahead, his goal of knowing the crucified and resurrected Christ. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. I can almost visualize Paul. I don't know how old he was exactly, but he was more than middle-aged. And at this time, he was worn down by both his work as an apostle and all the abuse that he had suffered at the hands of the Roman Empire. Nevertheless, while he may be figuratively staggering, he is still running the race. He is still pressing on toward the finish line that is complete union with his Lord and Savior. Scott Hazy recounts a story from Fred Craddock about a missionary family in China whom the communists forced to leave the country when they took power. Soldiers told the members of that family that they had two hours to pack up before these troops would escort them and all their belongings to the train station. The soldiers would permit them to take with them only 200 pounds of their belongings. 
This prompted two hours of argument but in the, amongst the family. The, what, what about the vase that was a family heirloom? What about the typewriter that was brand new? They couldn't leave that behind. And what about some prized books that were important to everyone in the family? Well, on and on it went, putting stuff on the bathroom scale, taking it off until finally they had a pile of goods there that weighed 200 pounds on the dot. When the soldiers returned, just as and, and when they'd promised, they asked, are you ready? Yes. Does your stuff weigh 200 pounds? Yes, 200 pounds on the dot. Did you weigh the kids? Um, no. Weigh the kids? At that moment, the family let go of the vase, the typewriter, the prized books, they were all trash compared to the surpassing value of their children. Craddock said that sometimes events crash into our lives in such a shocking way that we are instantly forced to, to view what we treasure in a new light, and we can let go of what had once been worthwhile because it is abruptly comes to mean nothing to us. It's only rubbish. That's when we press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward. To God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. joining us. A video recording of this service can be found on YouTube or Facebook by searching for Kenmore Church.